Previously on Wild Endeavors, the companions emerge from the dungeons into the halls of Karsaro Keep. Their first goal, stealing some clothes to blend into the party. When attempts to quietly deal with some guards fell apart, the party ended up putting the house on high alert. Only some smooth talking, a few bribes, and some drugs kept them from being captured or disarmed. As companions made their way back to the lower levels, where it should be easier to blend into the crowd, the clock struck ten, leaving them only two hours to find a way out of the shadow. This is the Shadows Campaign, featuring Adam Rogers as the human fighter Hans Greger, and I do like a hair whip at some point. Devin Salisbury as the human gunslinger Quintus Arias. Well, whatever happens is going to be finite. Whatever happens is going to be the end. Amy Jostino as the tiefling thief Calico Bane. Well, he and I have secret code for stuff, so that's fine. Joining us mid-session, Evan Chamberlain as the tiefling warlock Rackham Bane. Hey, uh, Calico. Bane sibling high five. And I'm Thomas Marsetti, your DM and the resident party pooper. And now, Chapter 28, Dressed in Black. Regathering your composure, you descend a grand staircase from the third floor. It's the kind of stairway clearly designed so that those making their way down it can be seen and admired. Use of it as a means of navigating the house is secondary to that purpose. You can't help but feel a little fancy in your masquerade masks and borrowed clothes that likely cost more than most people earn in five years. You also can't help but feel out of place. You suddenly remember Ella Burgess, the tired mother of three you met in Arthamore. Elief had changed her life with a hundred gold. You're pretty sure you just saw someone give that much as a tip to a member of the household staff. Opening up below you on the second level, which is where you came up from the dungeon, the main area that you can see is taken up by the balcony that runs around the hole in the floor that leads down to the foyer and the main entrance of the mansion. There's a number of people who have kind of made their way up here, and they're, they're standing at various parts around the balcony. They were you know, looking down and on the, the party below or like chatting with folks. There's also a couple of hallways that lead off of the balcony area, like deeper into the second story. And there's maybe about a dozen guests scattered about this area that you can see as you come down. Mixed within them, there's probably 20 guards milling and moving and like not quite like marching around. Again, it's almost as if the discovery of some dead guards and a monster on the third floor has caused the rest of them to go into high alert. As you make your way down, you see, in fact, like one couple wrapping up with a group of guards and they start walking and they kind of head down towards one of those hallways leading away from the balcony area and they get stopped by another set of guards and again, like, go start going through this interrogation process all over again. You see another set of guards are like patting down this young male noble. He's kind of dressed like, kind of like a matador, like this really high cut and like 
like tight fitting trousers and jacket like the kind of jacket like it ends just a little bit below the armpits kind of leaving the hips um open and, and clear and you can see like stuffed very decoratively in his belt is a pair of dueling gloves and his belt still has like the straps that would connect to swords he's not wearing the swords right now he's dressed for dueling and so the guards are paying a lot of extra attention to him well i think our plan was to make our way to one of the areas where we know we can let maybe the clasp in to assist okay so there are a couple places like a couple of the windows on the second floor where you can let them in or there are also a couple windows and one door on the first floor cool i mean it sounds like we're good then well except for we need to figure out the way we need to find that book right for the plan well we need to try to i guess our goal was to go to a library that was one of the options yeah I don't, I so can't do we go with way. plan B, which was trying to find people who could help us? It seems like the majority of the guests are downstairs on the, the first floor. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly if you were kind of trying to blend in, get a lower profile, that would be where you would want to go. Yeah, I mean, I think we should kind of go down and mingle at first, see if we see anybody interesting or familiar. Was uh, Sharkin going to meet us at one of the ones on the second floor, or was it the first floor? He was going to be on the first floor. He's not one to miss a party, to miss an opportunity to dress up and ham it up. Okay. So if we if we let some in, would they be able to let the others in? You can set them that task. Now, they are thieves, trained in stealth and infiltration. However, they are also not anywhere near as skillful as the lot of you. So whatever task you set them to do, if they're doing it alone, the chance of success is going to be lower than if you all tried to do it. Yeah. I'd say I'm down with letting Shark in just because he seems like a badass. <laughs> yeah, let's let's do that, and then he can task some of his the rest of the yeah, class. Well, so you make your way to the grand staircase, which leads from the second floor down onto the first floor into that large foyer. Coming down into the foyer, you see the just kind of this mass of people. This is where, again, like the, the main entrance to the mansion, like the new arrivals are coming here. And so the people who want to be kind of seen by the new arrivals or are looking for, you know, somebody in particular to kind of latch on to, you get the impression like a lot of like the younger, um, kind of like the newer money sort of people are like milling about in this area, like they're trying to trying to be noticed. The extravagance of the dresses and the coats and the jewelry that these people are wearing is topped only by the spectacle of their masks. The vast majority of them depict animals, and those with feathers and horns seem to be particularly popular. It seems like many people here are looking for any excuse to have a large flourish come up off of their head, kind of giving them extra height, making them more noticeable. And then, of course, anything that you can just slather with gemstones and, you know, cloth of gold. From there, there's two ballrooms and a couple other doors leading to other areas of particular note. In one particular corner of one of the ballrooms, there's some food tables, people are eating hors d'oeuvres. There's no, like, sit-down meal sort of area. There is an area where a large number of people are gathered around the base of a sculpture that is made out of wine glasses. It is about 25 feet tall, and it's a humanoid figure with its arms and one of its legs raised as if it's dancing. 
As if the pose itself didn't belie that some sort of magic was involved with this sculpture, the liquids inside are a rainbow of colors that is slowly shifting and changing across the sculpture. So you can watch as a glass that was filled with a red liquid slowly becomes orange and then yellow and then green and so on. You can see there are several groups that are simply interested in trying the different colors and they are you know, grabbing a glass out of the sculpture every time a new color comes by them. Beyond that, you'd have to get a closer look to find out more of what's happening over there. In the larger of the two ballrooms, the entire back wall, a good 600 feet worth, is nothing but glass doors leading out to the garden, and you can see some lanterns and people like walking among the, the topiary and the fountains out there in the garden. While there is dancing going on in both ballrooms, the smaller of the two ballrooms seems to be the one that is attracting most of the dancers. And in a particularly large lounge-type room, you can see there are people playing card games and dice and all manners of spinners and, and various other gambling-type games going on. So you all are in the thick of it now. Uh, what would you like to do? I feel like Hans wants to kind of go over to where people are dancing. Okay. And uh, look for a lady. <laughs> okay. To dance with. Yeah, yeah. Um, where am I supposed to let Sharkin in? From the garden, so probably that, that... Okay, I'm gonna go out to get some fresh air near the garden. Okay. I probably will just make my way over to the gambling table, just to try to blend in and kind of mm-hmm. see, play the crowd, see what's going on. Okay. So Hans, as you approach the dance floor, scanning the crowd, looking for some ladies, one woman in particular catches your eye. What is it about her that draws your attention? So I'm going to say, like, she is just very similarly dressed, like kind of maybe even like a similar mask, like still like black with like just kind of diamonds all over it. Sure, sure. As you scan the room, you adjust the classic tuxedo-esque black jacket that you are wearing. Then you see her. Her deceptively simple black gown seems to somehow draw more attention than some of the Disney-esque gowns around her. She wears a plain-looking black oval mask that covers only her eyes. Black feathers with subtle silver woven into them swoop up from the top of her mask, following the curve of her head and blending a little bit into her hair as they run partway down her back. While she is certainly striking, what really piques your interest is her projection. So many of the nobles throughout the party are clearly trying desperately to be noticed, to be the center of any attention. This woman isn't, uh, and yet there's still a gravity that is drawing people into her. And there is, in fact, a little knot of folks around her. So what would you like to do? I feel like I want to do like the like the eyes cross across the room kind of a thing. So like okay. it's not just like abrupt, like she we made eye contact. Mm-hmm. Um, so she sees me walking up and I do like a hair whip at some point, fluff it out and kind of straighten my <laughs> mask on, on the way. And maybe as I'm like strolling over there, like a, a waiter is wandering by with like a tray and I kind of just mm-hmm. gracefully, like without skipping a beat, just grab a couple of glasses of wine or champagne or something mm-hmm. as I'm making my way over. Nice. And I approach her and just say, excuse me, excuse me. You you look like somebody that could use some refreshment, either uh, this drink or company. She accepts the drink that you've handed her and she smiles and says, Indeed, I'm afraid I do not know you. I'm Malena Kassaro, and who may I ask will be doing this refreshing? Oh. 
Time out. <laughs> Meanwhile, Calico, you are making your way across one of the ballrooms toward the wall of door windows. Mm-hmm. The door Sharkin marked for you is not actually one out into the garden. Given the setup that you can now see, it's a little bit unclear to you why he didn't simply come in through the garden. But the door that he has chosen is a little bit out of the way, a little bit off from the other doors, though not far enough away that you being by them will draw any sort of unwanted attention. But kind of in between you and the door, too close to the door for comfort, is somebody. Tell me a little bit about them. Probably somebody with a less elaborate kind of mask who's just kind of a standoffish person who didn't want to be in the big crowd, like needed a break, so they're just like mm-hmm. off on their own. Yeah, that's great. So as you approach, it's a tall half-elf. He's got very long, <laughs> curled black hair tumbling down his back. Very striking green eyes peer out from his mask, which is it's not very elaborate, but it is. there's enough design to it that it, it definitely gives the impression of like a silver fox. You can see peeking underneath parts of the mask. His dark chocolate skin is heavily pockmarked. And he is just scanning the room with a, you know, just a glass of wine in his hand. And he looks a little bit haughty. He sees you coming his way. He says, good evening. Uh, I see you have already grown tired of our compatriots as well. Um, just a tad. I need a, I need a bit of a break before I rejoin the festivities of full enthusiasm. Of course. Of course. I am Afro Dawkins. And he presents a hand in the, I'm expecting you to kiss my ring sort of gesture. Um, okay, so I'll be like, seem impressed and be like, well, I'm very pleased to meet you. I'm Cassandra Landridge, but my friends call me Callie. A pleasure to meet you. His hand is still out, palm down, waiting. And Rackham just steps in and like grabs it and shakes it. Charles Landridge, I'm much better now. <laughs> so and this is my Afra kind of like trying to sh- like shake his hand off. Good, good for you. I'll look at him and be like, my apologies, my brother isn't invited to too many parties, so this is a great treat for him. I can see why. He means well, I promise. He's just... Um, sure. Afro's kind of like wiping his hand on his uh, suit coat. Uh, and then I would look to Charles and be like, why don't you go get us a couple of drinks? Okay. So he's going to go get some drinks. So you're probably like about 10 feet away from the doors at this point. And Afra, as soon as Rackham walks away, Afra like relaxes a little bit, but definitely seems like he's going to be engaging you, at least for the, the moment. Okay. He started talking about himself. He is, he fancies himself a philosopher. And as he's talking and then kind of like, aren't I, aren't I so great? You see over his shoulder a couple shadows hunched down near the garden wall. And just beyond them, into the night, you see a patrol of guards making their way towards those shadowy figures. Can I ask my new friend if he wants to take a stroll with me in the garden? He does. And then I will conveniently leave the door open behind us. Okay. Quinn, you enter one of the small rooms. And again, like the a small room here is probably as, as large as the entire silver unicorn in Arthamore. So, I mean, it's it's bigger than a lot of the buildings that you've been in. There are a number of tables set up with a bunch of different types of games going on. One in particular catches your eye. There's somebody at the table who catches your eye. What about them draws your attention? I would say that it's probably a woman playing she very clearly is dominating the table full of men. 
Okay. Like, has the most amount of chips on her side right now and is just mm-hmm. taking all of these guys' money. Okay. You're kind of drawn to the game and kind of heading in that direction because you recognize the game of Duroc. It's a dice game. It's not craps, but it's kind of like that type of environment. Um, they're not actually using chips. They're just they're just straight up using gold coins. The woman that you see looks to be older. She's a human. From what you can see underneath her wolf mask, you can see wrinkles. Her hands are very heavily wrinkled and you kind of watch as she like you know scoops in another big pot of gold her hair is extremely long and despite how heavily wrinkled her skin appears to be her hair is probably good like it's still about half black there's a lot of white in it and like even as she leans forward like her hair is still like down almost to the floor i mean i don't know how much buy-in for a game like this is i mean i have some money but i would probably approach and just see like an empty seat and be like the seat taken if you watch for just a little bit you can see like it's it's 50 gold around okay. so this they're not small stakes we have some money when you see that empty chair they're like yeah we'll happily take your money all right um, you guys are going to have to take it easy on the um, new to this game but secretly uh, i'm not new to this game time. yeah <laughs> right So when you make that comment, you get a mix of looks from the people at the table. Some are seem very greedy, very eager for, you know, fresh meat. Some of them are a little bit suspicious of you saying that as you sit down. And then the old woman in the wolf mask says, We would do well to keep an eye on this one. I understand these Justicas are all cheetahs. Back near the dance floor, Milena Carsaro has just introduced herself to Hans. Oh, of the Carsaro keep Carsaros, I presume. <laughs> she laughs and Yes. <laughs> uh, I'm just teasing. Um and then I feel like it's just it's quiet for like a second and I and I see like she's like waiting for me to introduce. So I let it linger again while kind of just smiling at her, and then I go, Oh, oh, you don't you don't recognize me. <laughs> My name is Lucius Wells. And then I, I wait for like, uh, or for her to like, she's kind of like thinking or just not reacting. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Lucius Wells. <laughs> oh, I heard you, darling. <laughs> ah, wow. I've never, this has never happened before. I'm sorry. <laughs> you do remind me of someone. Ah, uh, someone probably very wealthy, I assume. <laughs> She gives you a half-smile, but very clearly is enjoying whatever this is. And so, darling, are you going to ask me to dance? Well, of course. I mean, I, I initially just came over here to comment on your uh, incredible taste. It, it, did you did you see Ronaldo in Whitehaven to, to get that outfit? He dressed me, and it, we look pretty similar. She looks you up and down, and then says, Ronaldo must have very skilled hands. Yeah, he and I have that con. Most men think so, darling. <laughs> and then I like I go to take her hand to, to go dance. <laughs> How good of a dancer is Hans? I think actually I said early on, maybe I'm making this up, but I feel like I talked about like him like trying to like learn how to dance like when he was younger, like he wanted to impress people and that like went along with his mm-hmm. like he was gonna be popular at parties and gatherings and things. He needed to one dress nice and two know the at least normal dances. Okay. 
So you're able to just like jump right into the dance. Like it's one of those big ballroom dance sort of thing. Like everybody's got their their steps and there's twirling and lots of like hands up and like walking through the arches sort of thing. Um, but this is this is kind of old hat for Hans. Between that and just like your athletic type build, like you're probably a very good dancer. As you are going through the steps with Melina, she says, So tell, what is it that your skilled hands do? I come from a, a family of bankers, so mostly counting coins. Many of them our own, but some other folks as well. And you need skilled hands for that? Yes, I like to count everything personal. She just gives you a slightly amused look. So tell me, Melina, we, uh, I've bumped into several other Carsaros along, along the way here. How many, um, how many generations of your family have called this place home or called this place home now? Right now, it's just two generations. My parents, myself, and my sibling. Our family has been in this valley for nigh on a thousand years. We did like some twirls and mm-hmm. I don't know, some other things. And I, and I say, um, seems as though you have some skilled hands yourself. What is it that you do? She gives you kind of a sly grin and says, Oh, darling, I have many talents. In the larger ballroom, Calico is making her way toward the garden with Afra Dawkins. Rackham um, has gotten some drinks and seen you two heading out into the garden. Um, Would we be able to, like, walk and I sort of, like, distract him enough so that we can walk past and, like, be in between the, the clasp and the guards that are getting closer so the clasp can get in? How are you distracting or kind of guiding Afra to do that? I would say we'd just be walking and I would say something like, isn't the garden at nighttime the best place to think about, I don't know, whatever philosophical idea he was mentioning earlier? What was he mentioning earlier? I don't know. (laughs) The significance of other worlds and realms. Yeah, he is. Yeah, I'm not going to make you roll for that. He's impressed. He's impressed by that. He's kind of like looks up into the sky and he he actually he makes a comment about how seeing all these stars overhead really kind of brings home being just a part of this multiverse. How kind of can make somebody feel insignificant. Of course, when you look up, you see no stars, no moon. It is just the perpetually dark sky of Saramore. So is he not in the same area we are, or is he just not trapped? He's not trapped. Okay, got it. But it is getting him kind of like out of the way of the class, and it kind of into the way of the guards. So Rackham, you coming up behind them, you're still a little ways back. So right now you are in between the clasp and the door into the mansion. What do you want to do? I think I'll keep a little bit of a distance from Calico. Um, and... <laughs> Trying to distract the guard somehow. Hmm. At the Duroc table, the old woman in the wolf mask is giving Quinn a very knowing, very meaningful look as the rest of the table chuckles at her joke about Justicar's cheating. What would you like to do? In my mind, I want to kill him right now. <laughs> Because I can only assume and know that this is one of the Glass Brothers. (laughs) It sounds like Quinn is definitely remembering that part of what has made the Glass Brothers so hard to track down so far is that they are very skilled at using illusion magic to hide, often in plain sight. 
I would probably play it cool because I mean, this, I'm good at tracking and playing to situations. I'm not in the best situation here. I'll probably just play along to it and just say, oh, there's no, no need to worry about me right now. But everything you heard about me is probably true. The old woman goes back to at least appearing to be focused on the game itself. And after a number of rolls go by, the dice making their rounds uh, of the table, the dice come to you. So go ahead and roll. Okay, so 17... So that matches the mark, which means you don't have to put any money in this round. So so the dice move on, continuing their rotation of the table. Then the old woman leans over and gently, with her elbow, nudges a portly halfling that is sitting in between you and her. And she says, We are not supposed to worry, but his first roll out of the gate is a winner. What can you say? I, uh, I got lucky. Beginner's luck. Now speaking to you over top the halfling, she says, Indeed, this is your first time playing? Well, first time winning. The dice have come back round to her, and she scoops them up, and then, just looking right at you, not breaking eye contact, rolls them into the center. And there's a mixture of cheers and groans, a, a number of side bets have sprung up around the table on how well various players will do. And the woman in the wolf mask has just rolled a 27, which means she is also not putting in this round. Still not breaking eye contact with you, she kind of jerks her head over her shoulder. And the portly halfling in between you stands up and moves back from the table a ways, stopping there and taking up the stance of a bodyguard. The woman in the wolf mask slides over into the chair next to you. And then leaning a little bit closer so that only the two of you can hear, she says, I guess the goddess of luck is smiling on both of us tonight. On the dance floor, Hans and Milena Carsaro continue to dance. She has just told him that she also has very talented hands. Ah. <laughs> so, so she's not going to tell me what she does then. Like, I guess. <laughs> she's she's looking a little coy. It's like, oh, okay. Uh, well, I must assume that you just spend your days here uh, and uh, lavishing in luxury then. Say it like it's a bad thing. I wouldn't expect anything more or less. Oh, the song <laughs> is ending. <laughs> would you like to go back to our drinks? Um, she says that she would like to keep dancing if you can keep up. Oh, that won't be a problem. And I <laughs> twirl around like twice. So the next song is starting, and you guys are like kind of you know, transitioning into the, the next dance. Is it fair to, or can you tell me if like this family's been hosting these parties for like decades? Yeah, you, you had heard that in Havenwood. Like the parties have been going on for a long time. Okay, it's tough to say this quickly while we're dancing, but I might just say, you know, I. it's funny that you say you recognize me, but the last time I was in the keep was when I was a child. My my parents used to come here all the time, and it's quite possible that I ran along with you uh, as a child. I know I met your brother, uh, Eliardo, a few times. She gets kind of like a sad smile on her face. Darling, I can imagine you and Eliardo getting along quite well. And she kind of pauses. But you say you ran with him as a child. I think. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> she looks a little suspicious. Uh. Khaled, you've distracted Afra. You know, he's rattling off these places and names, trying to impress you. And you are heading towards the guards, who are coming down the guard path towards the fountain where the clasp are hiding. What do you want to do? Are the guards, like, moving aggressively, or are they just, like, kind of scanning the area? They're just moving, like, on patrol. They're maybe, like, a little bit faster than, like, a typical patrol because all the guards are a little bit on the high alert. I would say if they were to stop us, then I would act offended that they would stop us. And, like, then have, like, a little bickering thing with the guards there about how they're ruining everybody's party. Okay, I I like that. So let's say that you're heading toward the path, planning on that happening, like hoping that they stop Yeah, I'm trying to like make sure that we take up as much of the path as possible. So they have to like either ask us to move or like make an effort to go around us, Mm -hmm. like an extra effort to go around us. Okay, yeah. So as you get onto the garden path, kind of heading in their direction, they fan out just a little bit on the, the path. They do stop you, ask you how your evening is going, and kind of begin, like, in a very, like, they're trying to be very respectful, but also kind of like, are you up to no good sort of thing. So give me a little extra flavor about how Calico is complicating the situation. She doesn't understand why there's so many guards trying to poke in around everybody's business while they're just trying to enjoy the festivities. This is causing all kinds of crazy rumors that are making people anxious and it's not the right way to treat guests. Yeah, I like that. They go on with things like that. Go ahead and roll Defy Danger Charisma. Nine. That's a partial success. You stumble, hesitate, or flinch. The GM will offer you a worse outcome, a hard bargain, or an ugly choice. As you are going into this little, um, like this little speech with them, um, you've got like three of them are like locked in. They are like you know starting to apologize, like kind of like stuttering, like trying to like how can we make this better? Like we're just trying to make sure all the guests are safe. And the fourth one tilts their head over, looking past um, you and sees Rackham coming up through the garden. So that guard starts to move off in that direction. So you'll have to do something else to draw attention back to yourself. Can I call to Rackham since I see him? Darling brother, there you are. Bring us the drinks. So when, it, when the guard gets close, I'm going to, I got the wine, and I'm going to purposely trip myself and, and spill all over him. And then I will just, like, shake my head and, like, <sighs> we've been working on him. He uh, spent a few uh, years in a uh, hospital trying to improve his uh, mental state. But he's at the point now where he can be out in public a little bit. The guard just spilled wine all over. I'd be like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so, I'm so sorry. Take the ascot off and try to wipe it off of him. While I do that, I want to cast a spell called The Urge on him. Um, basically, you touch somebody and the creature um, has an undesirable urge. There'd be escape, greed, hunger, sexual desire, or thirst, for example. Mm-hmm. But they react of their own free will. What's your plan here? What are you trying to do with Urge? I want to give him the urge that he really has to, like, lead them in another direction. Like that there's, like, a like a threat that way they have to go yeah. deal with? Exactly, okay. yeah. Go ahead and roll uh, to cast that. Ten. Also, because of my... I have an ability. It's, it's like what I had for um, uh, Leandros. He will not know it if I cast it on him. It's, uh, it's like a puppet master skill. Okay. So as the spell takes hold... He bats your hand away, kind of like not thinking, and he turns back to his companions and says, Did any of 
Did any of you check the east gate? They look kind of confused, like, trying to, like, deal with him, and they're also, like, trying to still calm Calico down, and they're like, I, uh, what, what, what are you talking about? And uh, he's like, we, we've got to go. We've got to go. We've got to check the east gate right now. Right now. So he starts marching off, and the rest of the guards, like, apologize to Calico again, and then fall in behind uh, the guard who's marching off. As they do that, I think you can see the clasp slipping in through the open garden door. And then when the guards are about like a, maybe like 20 feet away or so, Afra turns to the two of you and says, I just remembered a pressing, uh, I need to go. Uh, it was, I would wish I could say it was a pleasure meeting both of you. And then he just walks away. Hey, uh, Calico. Yeah. Bane sibling high five right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we'll fade out on the, the Bane high five. The old woman has just leaned toward Quinn and, in a much more masculine voice, begun to speak to him. It's very clear that he recognizes me, correct? I don't know that it's very clear. It seems highly likely. Okay. I would like to discern realities about that. I think that's the way to do this. Okay. So. Ten. Okay. So you get three of those questions. One question I, I was already thought of. Mm-hmm is what here is not what it appears to be, and I'm mainly concerned with the other brother. Oh, I see what you're saying. Like, basically, Um, where is the other brother? (laughs) mm -hmm. With all your skill as a tracker and all the little clues that you've been kind of accumulating since you sat down at the table, putting all those things together, you are certain. You just feel it in your gut that this is one of the Glass brothers kind of scanning the the other faces at the table some of the people around like watching the game you don't see anybody else who is like watching you with the same intensity or who is really doing anything to like draw any suspicion to them you feel pretty confident the other brother is not in the immediate vicinity okay and I am I'm I'm saying that like you earned that so like I'm I'm not trying to trick you like you don't think he's here wink wink Okay. What here is useful or valuable to me? You get the sense that, like, as long as the game is going on, you'll have this banter that you can have with this guy to kind of figure out what's going on. So the, the, yeah. the game is a almost like a cover that you can use. Okay. I, kinda, I guess I kind of want to go with who really is in control here. So I think the final piece for this one was that with just a simple nod, that halfling that was sitting next to you just got up and basically abandoned his winnings to stand behind this woman in the wolf face mask. And then you kind of realize that you've been noticing all along certain people around the table, like their reactions are just a little bit slow. Like they're not laughing because they think something is funny, but they're laughing because they're supposed to laugh at that moment. And for someone who has won as much gold as she has, there are not a lot of people flocking around her. And, in fact, many of the people at the table are, are putting in just a little bit too much effort to seem like they are distant or separated from her. So you get the impression that a significant number of the people actually playing at the table and around the table are working with or for the Glass Brothers. In more direct terms, of course, this means if something goes wrong, you will be vastly outnumbered. Okay. Knowing that now, what would you like to do? 
I'd say, let's keep this luck rolling. You seem like a nice fellow. Uh, you seem like you seem a little familiar. Like I've seen someone else very similar to you around here. Go ahead and roll. Like your turn at the dice. Eighteen. So yeah, you're you're in good shape. The wolf-faced woman whistles softly, and then leaning in again so that only you can hear, says, I doubt very much you've seen another gentleman like me tonight. I feel like I would have heard. Well, the eyes play tricks. Are you implying that you're playing tricks on me? No, I would never. I just simply ended up enjoying the festivities. If there were another gentleman like me here tonight, would I be safe in assuming that he's safe at the moment? I would certainly hope so. Indeed. The dice have made their way back around to him. He rolled a negative two. The wrinkled old lady's hand lashes out as he flings 50 gold into the pot in the center. This is almost nothing compared to the winnings he has right now, so it seems like his anger might be because of something other than losing that particular round. That is unfortunate. Everybody loses sometimes. On the dance floor, Hans and Milena swirl through their steps, an awkward silence between them. So she's looking like... But she says looking at you right? suspiciously, um, because there is—it's basically impossible that you played with her little her brother when he was little. I think I, we kind of like stop dancing for a second, and I say, "Do you mind if we walk over to the side and talk for a minute?" And I say it genuinely, not like suspiciously, if that's possible. I think she's intrigued. Yeah, she'll follow you over. I picture us going over to like a like a high top kind of table with next to a window, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Maybe there's a couple of other of them around us. They're not, like, full of people yet. I think that there is, like, one of the tables nearby has a couple of people at it, and yeah. as you approach, she kind of just, like, waves them away, and they leave uh, because okay. it's it's her house. God. And she's now looking at you. She's she's a lot more interested in you, a lot more genuinely interested in you than she was earlier. <sighs> I say, look, Melina, I did some exploring earlier. It's just in my nature. I maybe stumbled across some halls or areas of the keep that maybe I shouldn't have. And I it, forgive me now. I mean, you can see I'm not. I'm not a troublesome person. I'm. As you're saying this, you can't help but notice, thanks mostly to your training as a fighter, her muscles are tensing, like flexing, getting ready, and she has shifted her weight forward slightly onto the balls of her feet. These are fight-or-flight kind of reactions. And I, I kind of see that, and I try to, like, I sure, I'm like, please, please don't. Please, you can trust me. Darling, I just met you. Trust me. I stumbled across a man in an area that I believe was sort of a dungeon. And it was it was your brother, Eliardo. At least he, he said that he was your brother. And he said, if I was to come across you to give you a message, I don't know the backstory between the two of you or what happened or why he's there. But I thought that if he wanted to give you a message, why not tell you? She takes a deep breath. And what did he have to say? he said to meet him at the place where they looked at the stars. And I say, and I don't know where that is, but it sounds 
delightful. She looks like she's weighing some things and kind of starts and just kind of looks at you very intently. It was our favorite place as children. And then her features harden a little bit, not like an anger, but more like putting away something that makes her vulnerable. Darling, please do not think of me as rude, but given what you've told me, I I must go. I take her hand and I gently kind of kiss her top of her hand like real fast and I say, I wish I could be of more help. You've been more help than you could ever know. I will not forget it. And she, like, grips your hand with both of her hands. And just kind of, she, she like, pulls your hand, like, to her chest. And just, like, gripping it really tight. And she's, thank you so much, Lucius. I will make sure that in Kasaro Keep, at least, you shall never have to ask again whether people know who you are. They will know your name. She moves forward, kisses you on the cheek, and then turns and begins to make her way across the ballroom. She's moving about as fast as a noble woman can move without seeming untoward. I, like, start to kind of, like, look around, like, for my other companions, uh, not being totally sure whether I made the right decision or not. You look out across the ballroom, out into the foyer, and across into the smaller ballroom, where you remembered seeing Calico and Rackham go before. And as you do, you see the two of them just coming in through that wall of windows from the garden. You know, it's completely impolite of me. I joined your table, didn't say anything. May I ask who you all are? You may ask, though I would ask your name first. And again, you notice, like, everybody at the table kind of, like, glances at him and then kind of just, like, goes back, like, trying to pretend like they're they're doing something when clearly, like, the, the dice aren't rolling, so there's nothing for them to be doing. They're kind of, like, playing with some of the gold on the table or, like, looking it, a little it, awkward. It, it feels like in my situation, too, like, lying isn't going to help anything because, I mean, I feel like he already knows who I am, right? It definitely feels that way, yes. Yeah. I will just kind of kind of laugh and be like, <laughs> you can call me Quinn. It's good to have a name. And you? Anatoly Glass. Though I would have hoped that you already knew that. I am, after all, much prettier than my brother. Just wrong name. A memorable one. I have to know. The way you strolled in here, so garishly displaying the Primarchy's colors, strutting around like the quintessential Justicar, were you even trying to sneak up on us? Honestly, I, I don't think I really had to. I suppose not. Uh, and he kind of like looks around um, away from the table, but <laughs> back to you. And I suppose uh, there's not many places for us to go at the moment. I'll grab my dice and prepare to roll and just kind of say, it appears a lot of us are in the same boat, aren't we? So, so tell me, lawman, where is this boat going? I guess that depends on you. I'll just roll my dice. Okay. Oh, a natural 20. Woo. And all evens. Nice. It was a 4, he, a 2, and a 2. He, he uh, he, that, that, that's his reaction. He's like, nice roll. Uh, I suppose it's too much to hope that you're using up all your luck on those dice. Oh, there's plenty more to spare, I'm sure. You are chasing us. So, tell me, how do we... How do we resolve this? Do I... I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, was the bounty dead or alive or dead? Dead or alive. 
Well, I suppose we can help each other out. And I'm listening. If you agree to come quietly, no violence necessary. No harm. <laughs> why would I do that? He opens Honestly, the, the neck of his tunic, and there's a, a little amulet there of like a little skull with the like the jaw, like the teeth part broken off. Um, you recognize it's the, the skull of the silence. And he says, we have some very important friends now. Friends that I don't think would be very happy of you trying to take us from here. Not to mention that we are guests of the Karsaros. So why would I go with you? Because for once, I think you've made a pretty big mistake when it comes to me. And that I'm is... not alone anymore. He, he's like, neither am I. <laughs> well, we'll just see where this night ends. What do you What do you think is going to happen? Honestly, I don't know. I don't know. But whatever happens, it's going to be finite. Whatever happens is going to be the end. I would also like an end to this. My brother and I have gone too long with your kind breathing down our back. I'll make you a deal. If you'd like, we can leave this room right now. I'll get my brother. We'll go someplace private. You can shoot both of us. Kill us. Take our bodies. Your Yagadors can check your your guns. We'll see that you've killed us. You'll be a hero. You'll get your bounty. And we will simply find new bodies. And we'll stay here. And we'll live out our lives in luxury. And we can all be happy. I don't know what to do. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Hans and Calico and Rackham, you guys meet up in the, the medium-sized ballroom. Some more people have shifted in that way. It looks kind of like, you know, there, there's the, the last probably, like, wave of people seems to have, like, arrived at the party. Um, so there's, it's, everything is kind of, like, you know, going full tilt. As soon as I get back, I look at, I don't look at Rackham, I just look at Calico. Mm-hmm. And I say, so, um, and I'm like trying to like smile and I keep looking around like while I'm telling her, like, I met Milena and um, we danced and that was nice. Um, uh, I didn't really notice anything else, um, but I, I told her about Eliardo and then I saw that you guys were over here. So I decided to come back over to you and see how things went with you. Um, did she have any idea about who you are or what we're doing? No. I'm guessing you caught the whole Eliardo thing then, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah um, uh, no. Maybe, we're wandering all over this place, apparently, so maybe it'll be okay. I gave her my middle name um, instead of my my Christian name. Hans <laughs> 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 Christian? Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, just to, to try to throw her off, just in case she'd heard of me, because you know. As you know, several people have heard of me before. Um, <laughs> uh, but I don't think she knows that any of us are together. But once I told her the whole meet me under the stars thing, uh, she kind of exit stage left real fast. Well, 
Uh, I think Quinn's going to be very happy with my decision. (laughs) (laughs) So it seems I was successful. Were you successful in your side mission? Oh, yes, yes. Very good. The core of what is downstairs is now inside, and they are allowing others as well. As if summoned by the tangential mention of his name, a halfling man approaches your group and says, Didn't I tell you this would be a hell of a party? Uh, And it is Sharkin, and he's wearing a ram mask. And with his super shiny boots, really vibrantly, almost like, disgustingly green pants and like a very like again vibrantly like almost neon kind of green like vest and and jacket like and he says we uh some of my friends did find a a way into the party uh what's uh what's our next step where do you want us do you want us to let in to go let in more members of the clasp or do you want us to try to find the master Hans is looking at Calico for her answer because his bond is to uh, specifically follow Calico's lead. Uh, yeah, okay. Um, good, good, good. I would say to go ahead and find what we can about the silence. Okay. He gives you a little bow and heads off, and a couple of other um, masked figures kind of, like, detach themselves from, like, small little groups of, like, where they were talking and kind of follow him out of the, the ballroom, presumably the other members of, of the class that came in with it. Cheers and groans of other gambling in the room seems to surround you, but your table is quiet, Quinn, as Anatoly's offer hangs in the air. Perhaps you can do some good with your life. <laughs> if thinking so will let you sleep better at night, then sure, we'll do a lot of good. Perhaps you can do me a favor. I'm listening. I, under- I understand the cycle of this place. I understand that death isn't really an end for anybody. I don't know how to break that cycle. I do simply want to get back to my, my Primark. Perhaps you can lead me to a way of breaking this curse, and we can go our separate ways. The old woman's eyes sparkle a little bit. Are you saying you will accept my deal if we also tell you how to get out of here? I'm saying if you help adjust the car of the Primark, your deeds will be absolved. We both know you don't have the authority for that. There might as well be no Primarchy here, Justicar. It's just you and me. Are you willing to take my body, take my brother's body, and go lie to your superiors? Tell them you've done the job, knowing full well that we will be here and alive and happy. If you are, I can show you the way out. I told you, this can be a win for all of us. But don't pretend it's anything other than what it is. I'll take you up on this deal. Bully, let's go. And he stands up. I take all of the money from the pot. He, he looks back at you, and the, the, the entire table is looking up at him. Kind of, again, like, what do we do? And he shrugs and says, 
let him have it. And he motions to you to follow him out, out of the ballroom. I would like to see and lock eyes with Calico Hans or Rackham and kind of give him like a, a head nod and like a follow motion with a head nod. Mm-hmm. Hans, Calico, and Rackham, you are still standing where Sharkin has just left you, starting to discuss what your next step will be. When you catch sight of Quintus leaving the gambling room and begins to make his way into the foyer uh, and toward the eastern side of the house. He seems to be following a very old woman wearing a wolf's head mask. He locks eyes with the three of you and gives just a little nod in the direction that he's going. I think we should follow at a distance. Sounds good to me. I mean, what? Or follow at a distance. <laughs> follow at a safe distance so it doesn't look like we're following. Sure. Uh, I do the thing where I see Quinn, like, nod his head that way, and I look at him, and I nod my head the other way. Okay. Can I ask why Rackham is motioning the other way? I wouldn't say being cheeky. You know, like, Rackham deals in, in um, like, if you move a, a handle one way, it's got to go the other way, right? You're right. Maybe it's better not to understand all of his motives. I picture that I, I had my the two glasses that I had picked up on my way to go meet uh, her across the room, and I still have them in my hands when I came back. I hand them to Rackham, and I say, boy, you could take these back to the kitchen now. And then I go off after uh, Quinn. And then I just yeah. grab them from Rackham and down both of them and put them to the side. So Anatoly leads Quinn down um, one of the hallways towards like the eastern wing. And where, like, the western side of the first floor just, like, opens up into all these ballrooms and all these very, like, public places and, like, fountains and things like that. This turns very quickly into more like, uh, like little parlors um, or, like, kind of, like, day room places where you would, like, take tea, things like that. And very quickly, the hallway starts to fork off in different directions. And so he starts kind of leading you down, like, one fork and then the, another and, like, Around the corner of a particularly sharp fork, the old lady's form disappears. And as you come around the corner, the old woman is no more. You are now following behind a human, probably in his 30s, a svelte frame. He is wearing a gaudy cloth of silver jacket, and his brown hair is slicked back atop his head. You follow him around a couple more turns and forks. Then he stops at a closed door, produces a key, and opens it. The room is fairly small by Carsaro standards. There are three full-size billiard tables, about eight overstuffed armchairs, and still about half of the floor space is left open. He motions you to follow him, and then he steps inside and to a small table with a number of decanters on it, where he starts to pour himself a drink. He says, Obadiah will join us shortly. Would you care for a drink? Hey, uh, well, certainly. You don't mind if my associates join me as well. He looks very much like he does mind, and he says, your associates. Well, I told you I wasn't alone. I was just wondering if you had any mind to that. But if you want it to be private, that's certainly okay. No offense, Justicar, but I'm not sure that I trust you enough to allow your associates in here. 
If that's how you'd like to do this, I believe we should go back to the ballroom. Oh, certainly not. Certainly not. I'll walk in. He closes the door. So tell me, Quinn, was it? How how did they decide to put you on our case? I'd say it was probably the, the small straw got the pick. Were we, uh... We top of the list for you, or are we the shit assignment? I guess that depends on how you look at it, really. As much as it's taken me to get here to you, probably the shit assignment. (laughs) This is quite a place. But when they gave it to you, are we... Are we most wanted, or are we just some unknown jerks? I'd say to the higher-ups, you certainly are. Just another page on their desk. He looks at you from across the room, swirling the wine in his glass, and says, Well, maybe this will change that. And then you feel a dagger plunge into your back. Thank you for joining in our wild endeavors. There are only two episodes left in the Shadows campaign. These final runs will be bigger, more intense, and more surprising than anything else we've shared so far. Following the finale, we'll give you some time to get your socks back on, but then we'll be diving into another campaign in Aria. If you're excited for what's ahead, have been enjoying our adventures so far, or just feel like chatting, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us at Wild Endeavors on Twitter and Instagram, And for more about the world, check out our periodic series on Instagram. We post lore about the world, and I share NPCs that our adventurers never got to see. Reviews and ratings on your favorite podcast platform is one of the best ways to help us grow and share our endeavors. But more than anything, I hope that you share these adventures with a friend. A good story becomes even better when it's enjoyed with somebody you care about. So come back next week so we can share another story with you. The problem is, he's not very charismatic, somehow. (laughs) Wait, I thought he was. Uh, I've been playing him very charismatic, but the issue is, that's like my lowest score. I don't know. (laughs) Well, if you play it really well, then you don't have to roll. I don't know. It will certainly help. Um, um, The way you play it will certainly help, but... I wonder if, like, he's more kind of just milling about a little bit, hoping that somebody will come up to him, but... <laughs> uh. uh... I mean, I certainly don't want to tell you how to how to play your character, but in the past, he has not been shy about just flirting yeah. anything that's near him, so... That's true. <laughs> <laughs> true. You've just never made me roll for it, I guess, so I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> And well, we don't know if you're an after all here. That's it. <laughs>